Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Ruddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is a fiend for some chocolate almonds, Brand Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing well. The last couple of weeks, Trevor, you've made me look like I'm just sitting here eating chocolate by the dozen, just like g- g- taking handfuls and shoveling them in my face. Did I say something that wasn't true? Um, that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do. So, all right. So here's the background on this quick little story. Um, I like dessert a lot. I would even say I'm very addicted to chocolate and, uh, and dessert, other desserts. And Trevor for, you know, many months here has been bringing home these chocolate covered almonds and I like chocolate covered almonds, but like, it's not as good. I think you'd agree. It's not as good as like a chocolate cookie or a brownie or, you know, a piece of cake, but they're good. They're, they're very solid. Um, but I, 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 I've, I've recently over the past like month or so learned that they're better than solid. They're incredible. Uh, and, uh, when Trevor gets these little chocolate almonds as dessert, you know, he, he has good portion control. He has, I don't know. What do you have? 10 of them when you like, I don't know, 12 to 15. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you have a good amount. 15. I don't, I don't, I'm popping yeah. them things. I'm, I'm, I'm eating 30, 40 every single yeah. day. I'm eating so many and I'm just mowing down his chocolate almonds. Um, so you, you are not wrong. I, I, I'm eating the almonds. I'm eating them good. Real good. They're, they're very good. They're chocolate almonds are great and they feel like they're sort of healthy. They're not. Yeah. Su- super I mean, healthy. I wouldn't say they're healthy. They're a healthier they're option healthier compared dessert. to chocolate chip cookies or I mean, brownies or cake. Yeah. Compared to cookies, cookies are a zero out of 10 on a health and yeah. the almonds are a two and a half out of 10. Uh, I'd say like a four. Four. Nah, I think you're it's like a four. You're, you're getting it. the healthy fats in there with the almonds. It's that good, and then that you get true. the chocolate. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. Um, third member of our podcast is here with us today. Very excited about that. Is of course Ben O'Brien. Ben, you a chocolate cover almond fan, or do you understand uh, how I'm popping like all of these uh, when I eat them? I em? mean, I'm a chocolate covered anything fan, first of all. But twelve to fifteen, Trevor, I'm having twelve to fifteen handfuls of those things. How, how do you only have? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Trevor. Twelve. That's what I'm chocolate, saying. Twelve chocolate almonds. Maybe in, I'm, I'm, I'm still just. I'm still just getting started. Like you're. You're finishing. You're serving, and I'm. I'm literally just sitting down when I'm twelve chocolate almonds in. That's insane. I eat twelve to, to fifteen in about three seconds, and then I'm That's like, a oh, I need more. Me. Yeah, I'm eating, I'm eating twelve 20. at a time. I don't know. I'm eating 20 in five and a half seconds. I'm like, oh, I need more. And here's the thing. The tray that we get of them is not that big. It's really not that big. And like when I'm eating them, I make a dent and then I'm like, oh God, I got to stop. These aren't even mine. (laughs) I got to stop. And I do that every time I eat them. I'm like, oh no, I ate way more than I thought I ate. What's the, like, I have what, to look do down. Get? Do you get like the blue diamonds or ones or what? No, no. I, no, it's, it's not the blue diamonds. It's just diamond. like a, a generic a, tray. It's in a plastic container. There's probably like 12 yeah. ounces in there or something. Yeah, it's not like a name brand. Yeah. It's like okay. it's in the little market. It's in the pro- it's right where the pro- well, at least the giant eagle, it's where the produce is, yeah. basically. So, and they have all the different kinds of nuts you can get. I actually, um, last time I went, I almost got uh cashew covered chocolate but i didn't know if you like cashews yeah, those, so are, I didn't, those are good i love too. them too yeah i, I didn't i didn't pull too. the trigger because i didn't know yeah um but yeah look all right enough about food on today's podcast we've started like the last four with uh with nah, food related food we can keep doing food <laughs> we'll have to do a separate food. podcast or food this one is about sports and boy oh boy do we have a lot to discuss uh and first on on the the schedule here is something I've been excited to talk about for around four months. I haven't. I've been so excited to talk about this. It is, of Nick course, Saban? the Michigan Wolverines. No, who cares about that? It is, of course, the Michigan Wolverines winning a national championship, uh, first since '97 or '96, I think. Um, well, that one was and, shared. That was a shared one. So whatever. yeah. All right. So this is yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. So they uh they beat out Washington. Game wasn't even that close. National championship was probably them versus Alabama, uh, really. But look, Michigan was the best team this year. I've been saying it the whole year. I, I had a lot of confidence in them. Um, and truthfully, like, I mean, we can look at the Alabama game. The Alabama game was close. Michigan made a lot of mistakes, which could have made the game a lot less close. But really, I mean, the Alabama game was close. The Ohio State game was a little bit close. Besides that, they just kind of killed every other team they played. It really wasn't even that close. They were just such a talented team, and they, they are more than deserving of this championship. Uh, and I, I'm very happy. This is the first time one of my teams has won a championship since 2016. Um, and honestly, that one has an asterisk because I'm not even that big of a fan of that team. Yeah. Uh, so we'll actually say since 2013. Um, so it's been it's been 10 ish long years for me. Um, and boy oh boy, was I struggling through those 10 years. Uh, you know, I, 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 I hopefully it's even sooner 
than 10 years that we get another championship, maybe even like less than a year. It'd be really cool. Um, mm. But we'll have to see about that. Michigan beats Washington 34-13. Um, to get into the game a little bit, Trevor, and you know, what did you see about this game that you really wanted to poke out and speak about? Yeah, I mean, as far as the game itself, I mean, you could pretty quickly see that Michigan was the better team. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest gap in uh, where that lied was the uh, bo- really the line of scrimmage, essentially. I think on both sides of the ball, I mean, Michigan's offensive line uh, played re- really well. They had a couple of those big runs. Quorum was awesome in this game, 134 yards on 21 carries, two touchdowns. So he was just awesome. He had the one 59 yard run, obviously. And then Donovan Edwards also, uh, again, like big game Donovan Edwards. He does this in the biggest games. It seems like last year against Ohio state, uh, and now in the national championship game, he, you know, even when he's inconsistent throughout the year, he comes out and plays, uh, great in, in the biggest game of the season for Michigan. He was awesome. 104 yards, also two touchdowns and their running game just had a lot of success. Three injured three yards in total on the other end. They were getting a lot of pressure on, uh, Michael Penix jr. Uh, over and over again, it seemed like he didn't have a lot of time to throw. He was trying to, uh, you know, he, he wanted to avoid getting hit, trying to avoid taking sacks. I think there was only, I want to say one sack the entire game, but that doesn't tell the whole story. The sack stat, I think can be very misleading. Sometimes Michigan was getting pressure all day on Penix and it really affected him. You could see, um, and one of the concerns about Penix, which you said it, Brandon, when we were watching the game, uh, he's not super durable. Um, and, uh, you know, he took a couple hits and you could see like he, he maybe didn't want to get hit again and again. So he was trying to get rid of the ball and it was just tough. You know, they had a couple opportunities. Sure. Like they missed the one, uh, Taroma Dunza. I think I want to say in the second quarter when he was wide open, one of the few times, uh, that a Washington receiver seemed to get that wide open, given how good Michigan secondary was and they didn't convert on it. And um, yeah, it's it, it was just tough. I think it was always going to be tough for Washington. They had to be, uh, I think on offense, Penix had to be pretty much perfect, and he wasn't. He didn't play super well. He was all right, but he had the two interceptions. But again, it just comes down to Michigan's defense was really great in this game. They were great all year, and their secondary in particular was absolutely phenomenal um, in this game. I mean, just uh, a really great game on both sides of the ball by Michigan. McCarthy played well. It's not like he had to do much, but again, McCarthy is, I would say, the best uh, game manager in college football. He's a really good game manager for Michigan. He played well. And the thing is, I, I was, I remember I was saying in the second quarter, like Michigan should have pulled away from the game from the Huskies in the second quarter and they didn't uh the offensive play calling wasn't even that great but Michigan was just clearly a better team um as far as their talent and that's why you see the score that you see it could have been even worse it was 34 13 it could have been 48 13 um Michigan was way better in this game they were just a way better team yeah I actually wanted to talk about both quarterbacks uh real quick Penix specifically I was talking to my dad about this yesterday I think he lost himself a lot of money in this game um, I, I, the biggest thing he is, is very brittle. He's had a lot of big injuries and, you know, he, he definitely was a, a little afraid of getting tackled, but he was playing scared the whole game. And I, I know they got a lot of pressure, but he would make quick throws that were bad throws, low throws, you know, at the feet of receivers. Um, he had the one throw to a, a Dunze, which was really, really terrible. I, I, we debated a little bit like whose I, fault it was. Uh, I, I don't, we're never really going to know. What, what I do know is the guy was wide open and he didn't hit him. I don't know with what was going on? He I don't know what route turn. he was he, he was he, he was running. So he didn't go to the open space. Yeah, there, there's, Rome there's didn't go to the open space. There, he had nine point one yards of separation from the safety. He just should have thrown it on target. I think that was the this the story there. But it, we, we, it could be up for debate. It doesn't really matter ultimately. I I think the the biggest thing from Penix is he played an NFL style defense and did really really poorly. And it was his first time I think really playing an NFL style defense because a lot of the Pac-12. Uh, teams do not play a defense quite like that and as like hard uh, nosed, you know, hitting as uh, the Michigan defense. And you look at like, I mean, again, I know we, we disagree on this too, Trevor, but you look at this like Washington team, they have three receivers that are mocked in the top 70 this coming year. Their offensive line won the best offensive line in college football and their quarterback was up for a Heisman. And in this good of an offense against like an NFL style defense, Penix did just pretty bad. He didn't play well. Um, he had a couple solid throws. The touchdown throw specifically, I think, was his best throw, even though that was like a 10-yard throw. The way he was able to read it, he called out 
um, the holding on the Michigan corner corner safeties, you know, someone in their secondary, and he threw the pass over the middle. That was a really good pass. And there's definitely moments he shines, and he should be in the NFL. But I, I think we clearly saw that he, he is not going to be able to take NFL sacks well at all. Uh, from playing scared to just being brittle. And then not to mention, he's going to be 26 next year. He's old. He's very old. He's starting very old. That does make his floor higher. But I think all in all, I, I, I think that that puts a big ceiling on his uh, his potential. And I, I feel me, there's no way I'm spending a first-round pick uh, on someone that I can't develop into my offense uh, to the degree that I think Michael Penix will not be able to be developed. In terms of McCarthy, I am a strong believer in McCarthy, but I, every day in day out, every single game, McCarthy gives me no evidence of that. So at some point, as much as I say like I like his talent, like look at this throw and look at this throw and look at the potential he has, at some point, I gotta face the facts, and the facts are is he hasn't thrown a lot, you know. So does a team take a chance on him in the first round? Maybe, but it, it's getting increasingly hard to say that that's gonna happen. I think McCarthy's another guy that he could have. I don't know if he necessarily lost himself a lot of money, but he could have won himself a lot of money by playing really well in this game and changing from the narrative of him being a game manager to really you know out throwing uh, a team in the in the in the uh, championship. The national championship, and he just didn't do that, and it's because he didn't need to. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. That still ends up hurting him in the long run. Whether it doesn't really matter if he had to throw or not, he didn't have to throw. Um, and it doesn't matter if he's made good throws this year or not. Ultimately, he wasn't called on too much this year, and there's going to be questions. He started two years. He hasn't been called on too much. Um, really, in the one game he was, which was the TCU game last year, um, you know they did, they didn't win that game. So what what do we? You know, what is the evaluation? You know, the, the rumors that scouts really like his potential. He's very young. He's not even 21 yet. He will be drafted and will not be 21. Um, so he's super young, super raw talent. He has the ability to make a ton of incredible, incredible throws. I mean, we saw like the throw against Ohio State, um, you know, the touchdown ball, uh, which he put over two receivers' heads. That was a incredible throw. Another throw against Ohio State. Um, he had running to the left and he threw to the right side and threw a dot 10 yard out. Um, to the right side. So I, I think he has a lot of potential. We'll see. I don't see him going first round anymore. I just don't think he put enough on the table. You know, we'll see after pro day and stuff and uh, the combine, but I don't think he put enough on the table for a team to be like, I want to spend a first round pick on him. Uh, ben, I want to go to you because you haven't talked about this game yet. What are your thoughts on this game? If you want to talk about the two quarterbacks, um, anything that you feel from the national championship game to wrap up our college football season here? Yeah. I mean, Michigan was the better team for, I think from the start. Um, Washington just couldn't stop the run. And Washington, yeah, their O-line has been great all year. And Michael Penix has been great all year. But in this game, they were garbage. Michael Penix had no time. He was getting rushed on every play. He, he clearly looked confused at coverages and things like that. Um, Washington just wasn't nearly as good of a team as, as Michigan. And J.J. McCarthy did what he does best, and that's hand off the ball. So, I mean, Michigan knows that if you want to win football games, you you take the ball out of J.J. McCarthy's hands. And Credit to uh, credit to to Jim Harbaugh and in, in, in Michigan they they knew how to win football games and that is give the ball to anyone that's not JJ McCarthy so that is why they won. <laughs> that's your analysis. <laughs> I mean, there's so much that's happened this week. I forgot Michigan even won the national championship by like Wednesday. So to be fair, I don't even know why I, we're I talking about say- it. There was a lot of sports news this week. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that, and it was all big sports news. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna get to all of it. But Trevor, any last thoughts before we we get to our final college football topic here? No, I I think we pretty much covered it. So, um, you know, obviously natural tape is a pretty big deal, but somehow I, I think it got overshined by other college football news. We had Nick Saban retiring kind of out of the blue. I don't think this was really expected. Um, he he just, you know, got up and retired. Um the the coach from Washington, uh what's it, Kalen DeBoer? Did I say his name right, Ben? I think I said it right. Uh, I, I couldn't hired. tell you what his name is. I have no idea who the dude is. I believe it's Kaylin DeBoer. Got hired. I did not think this was a, a – I, not that DeBoer's bad at all, but I, I just think there were better hires to have at Alabama. So, you know, who who is going to succeed uh, Nick Saban? Didn't think it'd be Kaylin DeBoer. Um, you know, I thought Dan Lanning was probably the perfect person. It seemed like he did not want to leave Oregon. The next perfect person would have been Steve Sarkeesian, who I, I do believe it was probably a lateral move from Texas. 
Um, and then probably the next person would have been someone like Elaine Kiffing at Ole Miss, uh, who's been at Alabama, been in that room and understand, you know, the, the boosters there and understands the people there. Um, DeBoer would not have been in my, you know, top three. I honestly, probably the even perfect person would have been Kirby Smart, another person who's been at Alabama, been there with the boosters. Um, but again, probably a lateral move, potentially a, a down move from Georgia. Um, but Alabama kind of had their pick of the litter. It did seem like some guys did not want to go pretty early on. Uh, but the Alabama job uh, is, is, I mean, one of the most coveted jobs in sports, I'd say. Um, so uh, DeBoer got it. I am not, I, I don't quite see it. Um, we'll see how, how it ends up turning out. Um, but Ben, what did you think about Saban retiring? Did you expect this at all? Like, did you see this coming? No, it's crazy. And I literally was having a conversation like during the Rose Bowl game. Um, someone was asking me like how old he is. And I'm like, he's old, but like, he'll probably go at least five more years. Like he's, he's crazy. He loves it. And then all of a sudden just out of nowhere this week, he retires. Um, it's crazy. Like I, it, it, it honestly, Nick Saban needs to, needs to pick up the phone and explain this concept to, to coach K because coach K had to have a press conference to announce that he's retiring a year from now. Um, just so you, everybody can tell him how great he was for a year. Nick Saban is just like, ah, I'm just going to retire. Um, that's how it's done. So Coach K should probably take some notes about how to not make it all about himself, like Nick Saban did. Um, but it, it's 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 wild, and it's it's just something like we everybody knew this was going to happen eventually. But to think that Alabama's coach is not going to be Nick Saban next year is such a wild thing. It's it it, it makes me intri- intrigued in terms of mm-hmm. what the culture because for so long, like Nick Saban's been been part of that team as long as i can remember a staple of alabama as long as i can remember like actually following college football nick saban's always been the coach of alabama so just in terms of like what's that culture going to be like we always knew alabama team or nick saban teams were going to be super strong defensively because he's a defensive guy now they're bringing in an offensive guy like alabama's going to look very very different than it once did maybe the type of players that are that are going to alabama might be a little bit different more offensive minded people um so it's just it's it's interesting to think about um, and I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago about all these different coaches and why people like Dan Lanning want to say why he would rather stay at Oregon. And the podcast was basically all about how Alabama is a great job, but it's not as good of a job as people think when you when you account for NIL opportunities and alumni donations. Um, they were talking about how there's a lot of programs that in today's college football have a better chance of succeeding if you're going to embrace this whole NIL thing. Nick Saban. Um, did as much as he could, but he was just a really good coach, so he was able to at least adapt as much as he could. But I think a lot of people assume that part of the reason why he's retiring is he he sees that the direction that college sports are heading, and I don't know if he can keep up with with Sarkeesian in Texas giving a freshman and Arch Manning millions of dollars and 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 IL money and stuff like that. So um, it's just interesting to see the direction of college football and how Nick Saban. Um, he wasn't falling behind, but I don't think he he is willing to put up with the stuff that you have to put up. Um, now in college athletics, and I think that might be part of the reason why he's leaving when he's yeah. leaving. Well, th- there is a big rumor as to why he left, and it's because of Miss Terry, which is his wife, supposedly yeah. is not, you know, I, I, I hope for the best for her, but supposedly is not doing so well with her health. Um, and it was semi-sudden, supposedly. That is the rumor that I read, um, is that that, that was kind of recent uh, over the last couple of weeks. And I, I, I don't think he was going to retire, especially like the way he retired. It just felt all very sudden, so... Uh, Trevor, any any final thoughts here on college football, Nick Saban, uh, the Michigan Wolverines being national champions for the first time in, in you know, whatever amount of time since 97, uh, and they're the best football team, and no one can deny that. What, and you have any other thoughts specifically about Michigan winning? Anything else? Uh, nothing about the team up north, but I will say that Saban, Saban retiring was very surprising to me. Um, I love how uh, Ben, uh, I love how Coach K caught strays. That's pretty funny. Caught strays? Um, he deserves it. Strays. Yeah, he, he deserves, deserves it. it. I I mean, yeah, I agree. It's just funny. Um, but yeah, Saban, I, I wasn't expecting it. He had a contract extension through 2030. Um, so yeah, I certainly did, did not like, see just sign that? I think like it was two years ago very or something? recently. Yeah. Yeah. 2030? Was, um, in August That's 2022. Insane. Yeah, last August, he signed a contract extension through February 2030 worth nearly $94 million. So in 2023, um, so like... In like, 2022. Oh, okay, right, so a, a so year, year and, and five months ha- ago. A year and yeah. a half ago, yeah. basically, he signed that contract. So yeah, definitely surprising, definitely sudden given that. And it's interesting, I mean, we've seen just in general, a lot of the best coaches that we've had uh, across some of the major sports, whether it's college football, college basketball... Uh, the NFL now with Belichick, the NBA. Uh, Wait, who in the NFL? 
Belichick. I don't. I don't respect about. him as the best. That that sounds like a cheater to me. Belichick, you know? the the greatest uh, yeah, NFL coach really, of all Brandon. time. Um, <laughs> you're, you're really okay after everything that yes. Michigan went through this year. You're, you're I don't, gonna play I don't know that what you're game. talking about. <laughs> okay, all I right. saw Michigan win. I don't know. I don't know what else you're talking uh, about. Yeah. All right, all right. Go um, ahead, anyway, so yeah, Saban, who I I mean, I would say has got to be. I mean, this the guy's won seven national championships with Alabama. He's completely transformed them. He's got to be one of the best uh, college football coaches of all time. Uh, if, if he's not number one, he's up there. Um, and then you had Coach K with Duke. Like it's just across the board, all these great coaches that are retiring. It's really a a, a big change now coming into this new. Uh, time. I mean, NILs changed football. There's a lot of new coaches now. There's just a lot of change. So it's really interesting. It's definitely going to be different with uh, Alabama going forward. We'll see. I mean, I, I would expect them still to be relevant, but I mean, are they going to be this national powerhouse every year? Are they going to be top five, top 10 every single year? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we can count on that. Nick Saban was such a great coach. I'm not sure. Um, and this Kevin DeBoer guy or, you know, whoever he is, uh, this seems just like a random, like, pick a name out of the hat hire. I don't I, I don't understand this hire at all. It, like, where is this guy even from? He coaches at Washington. Is he from the South? Is he going to be able to, like, relate to these people and, you know, with the boosters and be able to motivate these players. I don't know. Yes, he did a phenomenal job at Washington. I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. We'll see. But uh, yeah, that was a random out of the blue hire that I did not expect to see. Uh, but yeah, those, those are pretty much my thoughts. Obviously Saban, just an incredible coach, you know, regardless of him being super boring and always uh, a very dry coach, he was an incredible coach. So uh, mm. yeah. I would argue that Nick Saban might be the best coach that we've seen in any sport in our lifetime because the college football job specifically, you're responsible for 100 guys. Yeah. 100 guys. That is so many. And then you have to recruit and coach. And not only that, he was the best recruiter and I would say the best coach. Even look at the Michigan game. They were not winning that game at halftime. And they came out and they, they were so good in that third quarter and they really had a real chance of coming back and winning that game. And he, I mean, he's just such an incredible coach. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I will say as much as I clown Belichick, we have seen a lot of big coaches recently. You know, call it Coach K recently. Now Saban, Belichick in the NFL. Uh, Carroll uh, calling it quits. Well, I think that was, he, we'll see if he coaches again. But you are right. There's definitely been a lot of uh, retirees of, uh, you know, the modern day great coaches. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens uh, with Kevin DeBoer. Uh, I do not love the hire. I wouldn't say it's random. He did just make the championship. Where is he? Where is this guy from? Like, what is? It? We coached at Indiana. Typically, uh, you don't just hire. Like, if you're Alabama, you you typically hire someone I, who I has agree. some history it, with the program. I well, I mean, we don't really. There's really no. The last time they did this, Saban came from the NFL. Yeah, this was in what 2007. We were in. He's from third grade. Um. So like, it, the precedent for this is kind of like up in the air. I would, I to me, the exit strategy was not as flowing as like typically when you have like a long term coach, the exit strategy seems like in place for years. I mean, look at John Shire at Duke; they they knew for a couple of years it seemed like that that he he was training to be in that position. Yeah, Belichick, Gerard Mayo, Gerard they hired Mayo. in like a day. It was the there plan. was yeah. it was put into plan doing this. This had no plan. Yeah, this clearly was just like oh, okay, like let's look at our options. We have Dan Lanning. We have. You know, uh, Sarkeesian, oh, they don't want it. You know, DePort, he just went to the national championship. He did well at Indiana. Uh, you know, like, this is where we're going to go. You you do make a good point. He has not been in the South. There's no way he's the first, he was the first choice. They they he's claim, from, and I know South they have Dakota, to. By the way. I'm just, I'm just a messenger. I know they have to claim this. They claim, Alabama claimed that he was the first choice. No I shot. do not believe that. No Dan shot. Lanning, to me, was was the best hire. It's probably like the seventh choice. I, I think Dan Lanning, well, Kirby Smart would have been the best hire, but obviously Kirby Smart's going to go. Dan Lanning was going to be the best hire that. I think could have went, but they uh, Oregon made, put out a video like the next day saying that he's not taking the job. Like he he wants to stay at Oregon, and to some degree, you talk about like the I don't know if it was you or Ben talked about the NIL stuff. Dan Lanning's at Oregon. That might be the best NIL school. They have Nike backing them, and yeah. a lot of money's coming from Nike. Uh, it's more than just fancy jerseys. Um, it's the same thing as like USC and Oklahoma. Would you leave those? Would you leave those three schools in Texas? We'll say those four schools, USC, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Texas, who I believe, uh, and maybe Miami, we'll throw Miami there, the five biggest NIL schools for an Alabama. Would you? 
I don't, I'm not saying I would or wouldn't. I'm just saying, would you? That's a tough call. In today's, you know, football, it's not, it's not an equal playing field and money talks and those schools spend the most. Alabama, I'm sure spends a lot. I, I know they spend a lot, but they aren't spending more than, than, than Oregon, than Texas, you know? So I don't know. It's definitely a good question to be had. Um, let's move a little bit here into, uh, college basketball, different college sport because boy, oh boy, Trevor, what a week have we had in college basketball? I I need you to catch me up, catch the people up. We've had like 30 upset. Like it's a crazy amount of upsets. Um, maybe not 30, but a lot. There's been a lot. Yeah. Uh, breakdown. I know we, we've got Houston that lost twice. Purdue went down. Kansas lost this week. We had Marquette losing, uh, Talk to me about poor, our poor Marquette. They've lost two in a row, Trevor. What, mm. What's going on? Yeah, uh, Marquette's going to be fine. Marquette, Marquette will be fine, I, I believe. I believe in our Golden Eagles. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy week. I mean, this is <laughs> this is college basketball for you. Yeah, I mean, just this week alone, I know for sure that number one, number two, number three, number five, number six teams all lost this week. And it, you can keep going. It's it's a lot more ranked teams that have lost. But um, the headliners, we had Purdue that lost on the road to Nebraska on Tuesday, 88-72. We had Houston number who was ranked number two in the country. They lost to Iowa state. Houston has actually lost twice this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they were one of the last undefeated teams standing. Um, they have now lost twice this week. They lost yesterday to TCU as well. Um, so they are now 14 and two again, I, this Houston team, I was interested to see how they do in this conference play first season in the big 12, not off to the best start now here. Um, they obviously destroyed my, uh, Michigan or not Michigan, West Virginia Mountaineers. You're Michigan um, Wolverines. No. Trevor, are you, <laughs> no. what is going on? You coming no. to the good side? No, no. Oh my. Uh, they destroyed my West Virginia Mountaineers. Um, and then since they've lost two games. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball. That's a very tough schedule for the Houston Cougars. And I don't think I they're, you know, they have this defensive identity with Kelvin Sampson. They're a really good defensive team. They're a tough team. They're experienced, but they don't have a lot of like like great like number 1 scores, like a guy that you would give the ball to and this is going to be like a no doubt all-american houston doesn't really have that i think their team was probably better the past couple years than it is this year and yeah they're they're ranked number two now they're probably going to drop to i don't know maybe like 12 or something but are they so many teams lost but it's I guess like they lost twice. yeah that's true so many teams have lost maybe they'll, they'll probably still be in the top 10 actually now that you they might be uh but they just don't look when i have watched them they don't look like they're quite at the same level as a team that I would, you know, need to see to win six games in a row in a tournament because that lack of, I think, firepower on offense. So I don't know. We'll see. They've lost two in a row now um, in the Big 12. We'll see how they do going forward. Kansas also lost. They were number three. They lost, I believe, UCF, on Wednesday, Wednesday we, to UCF. Can we like br- just briefly? We got to talk about Wednesdays. Just, I just want to run through them. Mm-hmm. UCF beat Kansas. Number three. This is all on Wednesday. This is yes. just Wednesday. Mississippi State beat Tennessee. Virginia Tech beat Clemson. Uh, TCU beat Oklahoma, and Butler beat Marquette. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of upsets in one day. That's crazy. TCU had a really good week. TCU beat. Uh, Oklahoma at home, and then they beat uh, Houston at home. They also came very close to beating Kansas on last Saturday. Crazy week for them. My so God. TCU um, is a team who I think at least we should look out for them in the Big Twelve. Here they've had a couple good results here. You know they're they're in the mix in the Big Twelve. They're they're looking pretty solid. So good week for TCU. They're one of the the biggest standouts. And yeah, you mentioned it. Butler beat Marquette. So Marquette, yes. A little bit of a downturn here. They lost to Butler. They lost to Seton Hall, although that was a game on the road. The The Seton Hall loss, it was by three on the road. Not concerned about that. That happens. A Butler loss at home, that's not a game you should be losing. Um, but again, it's, you know, one bad loss. They they play Marquette on Monday, or they play Villanova on Monday. Obviously, that should be a game they win. If they lose that, then I will start to get a little concerned about the Golden Eagles. Um, but other than that, I mean, I can keep going through all the upsets we had. We had a lot of them, but this is college basketball. This is kind of what happens. Um, we did have a couple other games that were just really good, significant tests for teams, really good games that we had. One of which was an overtime game 
Texas A&M beating Kentucky, which was on paper, you can say an upset, but they were at home. Texas A&M is a team who, yes, they aren't ranked right now, but they were a preseason top 15 team. Texas A&M is still a pretty solid team, I think, and they did beat Kentucky in overtime at home. So not anything to be too worried about with Kentucky. I still think they're really solid, and A&M trying to get back on track. The only other one, top 10 matchup, Kansas-Oklahoma on uh, yesterday, Saturday. Kansas won that one 78-66, um, and Hunter Dickinson had 24-14. and A guy who left Michigan, went to a better program, um, and is having a lot of success here at Kansas this year. Um, so good for Hunter Dickinson, good for uh, Kansas. And yeah, I mean, those are those are pretty much my thoughts. Um, ben, did you have any thoughts on college basketball? I know your Dayton Flyers have been looking pretty good. I got to put a little uh, a little bit out there because they're looking pretty solid, Ben. Yeah, they'll be right. They'll be ranked come uh, come tomorrow afternoon. Oh, um, they, they were they were 26 last week. Uh, a lot of teams lost. So they'll be ranked for sure. But I mean, um, I think there's bigger, bigger fish to fry in college basketball. I mean, and here's what here's my takeaway from all these all these upsets, Trevor, because um, as I, I caught a, I caught a couple, I caught the Kentucky game, the end of that yesterday. Um, I caught, I know this wasn't a big game, but that UNC Syracuse game, Trevor, I watched about 10 minutes of it. And I know it's Syracuse, but UNC, they pass the ball as well as a team I've seen in a long time. I mean, they're they, the way that they, they share the ball on offense is incredible. And again, and maybe it's Syracuse and part of that was, um, the Syracuse isn't a great team, but I was very impressed with what North Carolina did yesterday. Um, just offensively. Um, but anyway, my big takeaway with a lot of these upsets, Trevor is, just the fact that it's really, really hard to win on the road in conference play. I mean, Houston loses yeah. on the road to TCU. Uh, Tennessee loses on the road to Georgia. Kentucky loses on the road. Arizona loses on the road. Um, it's just really, really hard to to win um, a conference, it, really any road game, but especially in your conference when teams are very familiar with you. The fans are always, um, obviously, when you're, especially when you're a ranked team, they're very excited to have you in their building. Um, just a super, super difficult thing to do is, is, is win a, a, a road conference game. Um, in any sport, but especially college basketball with the types of environments that you see in a lot of these big power conferences. So um, I, I do think that that is a, a big reason why you're seeing a lot of these upsets. But I mean, also, it's just part of the fact and we say this every year with college basketball, but it's, but it's always true. Um, there's just really there's a lot of really good teams. And yes, there's obviously teams that are top tier teams, but um, those second tier teams, you know, not those blue bloods, not not the Houston's of the world and the Kentucky's of the world, but um, teams like a TCU, who's not ranked, but obviously still a very good team, probably will be ranked. And a team even like a Georgia, not ranked, but you know, multiple wins in conference play, 12 wins this year. Um, they have the ability to beat these ranked teams, beat these top 10 teams on any given day um, if they play well. Maybe the, the, the favorite doesn't play very well. So I think that's the beauty of college basketball, especially when you get to conference play, is that even a mid-tier, like for example, Big 12 or SEC team, it still has some, some dudes on it, still has great coaching, great players, great schemes, um, and you catch them on the right day, and they, they can beat anyone. So I think that's what makes college basketball so great, and that's what makes these power conferences so fun to watch night in and night out, is that a, a Big 12 has solid teams from top to bottom, an SEC, SEC conference, ACC conference. They have good teams all throughout those conferences, and it, it creates awesome matchups regardless of what the rankings is between those two teams. Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, speaking of North Carolina, North Carolina has been on a really good run here. Um, they're undefeated in ACC play, the only team in the ACC that's still undefeated. They're 5-0, and 13-3 uh, overall. They were number 8 as of the latest poll. They're going to be top 3 come tomorrow. I mean, they... I mean, it seems like it to me. They they beat Pittsburgh on the road. Uh, then they beat Clemson on the road, who was ranked. NC State on the road. And they just annihilated Syracuse at home. North Carolina looks really good. I cut a couple of their games earlier in the season. The one against Kentucky. Uh, one, I think, back in November. And, and I like them. They, you know, they're solid. But, you know, based on these results, they, they might be even better than just solid. They might be one of the best five teams in the country. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be ranked as such uh, tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. Well, why don't we move along to uh, professional basketball here because we, we do have some pretty big news of the NBA. Uh, I, you know, we had one major injury, one major extension, uh, maybe some other storylines you want to talk about too, Trevor. So why don't you get us started at the NBA? Yeah, so we had, well, I guess one that's that's not a good story. John Moran is hurt. Um, he I think he just had successful surgery um, in the last couple of days, but he is going to be out for the season, which effectively ends uh the Grizzlies season which just sucks from a fan perspective the Grizzlies are 
you know, a fun team to watch, but uh, they're not as fun if John Moran's not out there playing. So it kind of stinks for for that. Um, he had surgery to repair his uh, labral tear in his shoulder, um, I think, on the 11th, so three days ago now. Um, and he's expected to make a full recovery ahead of next season. Um, so that's tough for the Grizzlies. I think they're 14 and 25 right now, clearly not in the playoff picture, and certainly do not expect them to get into it without John Morant now being out for the rest of the year. So that's, you know, just not a bad story, obviously. We want to see him out there because that's one less uh, star that's out there playing now for the Grizzlies. But a story that's, you know, for, uh, I guess, more of a positive story, Kawhi Leonard uh, signs a contract extension, three years, $153 million with the Clippers. And this is interesting. I, I've heard... You know, I've, I've I've tried to look around and see, like, what are people saying about this? Do people like this? And surprisingly, a lot of people thought this was the right move. And I'm I'm a little more hesitant. I'm I'm hesitant. Uh, I listened to Bill Simmons. He was also kind of hesitant about it. A lot of other people are like, yes, no brainer. This is what you do. The Clippers are playing really well right now. Um, and they're kind of locked into this core now. The Clippers are playing better. That is true. They are 25 and 13. They've won eight of their last 10. They're the four seed currently in the Western Conference. Um, and since getting hardened now, they they have been looking pretty good. And Kawhi uh, this year has actually been pretty healthy, um, as has Paul George. Kawhi's played 34 of the games out of the 38, so he's only missed four games. Paul George's only missed two games. Um, and Harden's also played the majority of the games. And they're both playing, they're all playing very solidly. Kawhi's had an awesome. Uh, pretty awesome start to the season. Not uh, he's he's scoring twenty four a game, so it's not like uh, what he was in his prime. But he's been very efficient, and overall, the Clippers have looked really good. I'm hesitant because with the Clippers, the past three years now since they got Kawhi and Paul George, it's pretty much been the same thing. I mean, they had their run in the bubble where you know, they were one of the favorites and then they were up three, one on the Denver nuggets in the conference semis. The Denver nuggets came back and won three straight. And then obviously we saw the Lakers going to win that championship, but that was a year where it was like the Clippers. I mean, it's, it's them and the Lakers. Those are kind of, it's going to be one of those teams. that's probably going to win it. And we saw them kind of fall flat on their face against Denver ever since Kawhi's been hurt pretty much every every single year. He's had some sort of big injury. He's missed a lot of games. Paul George has had some injuries as well. He He's missed a lot of games as well, not as many as Kawhi, but he's also missed a lot of games as well. And now they've gotten hardened. They're just so committed to what they have now. They don't have a lot of future assets. They don't have a lot of picks, and they are fully dug in. I mean, they, they just keep digging. They're getting the shovels out. And they're digging. It, it might be great. It might be some gravestones. That might be what they're digging. I don't know. Um, or maybe there's some gold there. I'm I'm really not sure. But I would be more hesitant. I know that waiting to sign him till the off season would would you know make it so that there's more of a chance that he might try to leave. But I might be willing to take that risk, given how unhealthy they've been. Over the years, I just don't think I would have given him this extension so soon. Um, I think it's risky, but we will see how it plays out. We know the Clippers are fully uh, committed now to this core that they have. So I don't know. I think it's interesting. Uh, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't. I'm with you on this Clippers stuff. I don't. I don't really see how this is going to work out. How they want it just seems like in the long term they're just giving these contracts out. Like I don't. I don't see them winning a championship with this team. I don't think they're good enough. Um, you know, I, I feel like they've proven that they're not quite good enough. So this is like what I, this is what I, you know, part of me, I'm like, oh, I, I don't get this. Is it just to have good players, you know, just let's get good attendance. Let's just want a good business here. Or is it like, are we really trying to win a championship? And I think to some extent they want to win. Obviously they want to win a championship, but like, it's like, have, have they even proven that they could come close to winning? I mean, it's like they well, they've looked. I mean, they have looked really solid the past month or so. I mean, that's one month, but it's that's it again. It's like when we've seen in time and time again that there's some sort of injury that comes up. I mean, it's not like those guys you know, are young either. They they lost the first round last year. Yeah, they're getting older. It's just tough. It's tough to commit this much, but yeah. they're they're all in, and it's there's really no way out. And I guess you can maybe argue well. 
you know, they've already, you know, committed. They got James Harden, so they're committed in that way to this all-in path. You know, might as well just keep going with it instead of, you know, caring about their future literally at all because they literally care about their next... They Like, they care about the year 2030, 0%. They don't care about the year 2030 or 2032 at all right now. And hey, that's that's one that's one approach for some teams that worked. We saw uh, the Los Angeles Rams go all in, get Matthew Stafford. They had a lot of good veterans. They won the they won their Super Bowl. They did, um, but I don't know how that's. I mean, they are in the playoffs though, so it, I don't know. But regardless, we've seen teams have success when they do this. I just don't know if the Clippers are ready to win I, I against Denver, against Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, uh, and you have these young teams rising, OKC, Minnesota. It's it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. Yeah, 100%. Um, anything else before we, we move on to the NFL here? Nope, that's it. All right, NFL news. I mean, let's, let's get into the news before we get to the games we saw yesterday. Because boy, oh boy, do I want to talk about the games we saw yesterday. Um, but co- some coaches. We have three major coaches um, either retiring or that have, you know, been let go. Uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, all are either going to new teams or have just called it quits. Belichick, I think, was was the right move, I think, for everyone involved. he He's in his 70s now. I don't know how much longer he can keep on doing this. Um, and the team needed to move in a different direction. They are not good. Um, so I think that was kind of mutual. Pete Carroll did not seem like he wanted to stop coaching at all. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance that he... Wants to keep on coaching and he'll stay um, somewhere. Like he'll stay in the NFL coaching in some degree. And Mike Vrabel is going to be one of the most sought after coaches. I am not a Mike Vrabel believer. I do not personally like Mike Vrabel at all. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to be that great where he goes. But I do think a lot of teams are going to want him. But I mean, those were the, the biggest pieces of news. Ben, any opinions on uh, the coaches that are leaving here? Yeah, like you said, I think Belichick was expected. We've been talking about it all year. Belichick, I just don't think, wants to do a whole a whole rebuild like the Patriots need. So I think that was expected. Um, the Vrabel thing was a little bit surprising, but you're right. I mean, the Titans haven't been great. Yeah, they, 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 they've been good. And he's, he, gets, he deserves credit. He does because he inherited a situation. That franchise was a disaster. He made that franchise competent. Um, they were obviously the one seed a couple years ago in the playoffs, but... Um, it's not like he, uh, they have ever, they have been a juggernaut under his leadership. I, I do think he's a good coach and players seem to really like him. So he obviously, um, he'll, he'll be a head coach somewhere, somewhere very, very quickly. The, the Pete Carroll thing surprises me, but again, he is 70, whatever years old. He doesn't act like it. he's, he, he runs around like he's 50 years old. Um, but, but he is up there in age. It did when he, when, when, when he got, I don't, I don't want to say fire, but when they parted ways at, it, the reports did say that he might still do something with the Seahawks in the front office, so I don't know. We'll see. I do think I don't think he's done with football. I think he'll either coach or maybe do something in a front office. I don't in, in some sort of capacity, but I don't think that he wants to be done with football because again, I, he he seems like he still has a passion for it. He's always kind of been that way in terms of his enthusiasm for football and for his players. So I think football needs him. I think he's a great figure, a great character to have in the NFL. Um, in football in general. So I do hope that he does something. I mean, obviously, selfishly, I'd love to see him on a sideline somewhere. I think a lot of teams and a lot of fan bases would love to have him because, again, he's another example of a player's coach. So uh, crazy. I mean, again, three of the – obviously, I mean, Belichick, the biggest name in, in, in the NFL maybe ever, and then Vrabel and, and Carroll, two of the bigger names in in, in terms of coaching, in terms of um, and players' coaches and things like that. So uh, a, a crazy week, just a crazy week in general with, with football um, and obviously the NFL – after the regular season ends, you get all these all these firings, and some of them made sense. But again, the Belichick was a little bit surprising. And then Vrabel and Carroll were were kind of um, big surprises for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think I agree with you on the Pete Carroll thing. I think he'll probably try to coach in some capacity. So I agree there. Um, it'd be interesting to see. I think for him at his, you know, he's getting older now. I think you know you definitely want to go to a team who's in a position to win soon. Could that be the Chargers? I mean, he was at USC, obviously. Um, so could he go back to Southern California? Could there be another team that's in a position to win now? I don't really know if there's a lot of other options other than maybe the Chargers. I mean, I, I've seen some reports that like Sirianni's job could be in trouble with the Eagles potentially if they have yeah. like a if they lose to Tampa or something like that. 
that's a team that you could argue would be in a position to win. Uh, what about the Dallas Cowboys? What if they lose to the Packers today? Could McCarthy or, uh, be fired? Possibly. It's a, there's a there's a chance. So those are just some options of teams that have the talent that maybe with Pete Carroll could win soon. I'll be interested to see what happens there. Very I was a little surprised. Uh, they decided to get rid of him. He was one of the guys that I at least was like, this could be an interesting option for the Patriots. But obviously they they had their plan with Gerard Mayo, which is, you know, really interesting. They it seems like, you know, Gerard Mayo, he was great linebacker for the Patriots from 2008 to 2015. He came back and as an assistant in 2019, um, helped with the defense, and now they have this plan with him. From from everything I've heard from reporters, uh, Mike Reese is one of the the longtime Patriots reporters now. Um, it seems like he's very well respected um, and that this was kind of the plan. The plan, although it was supposed to be next season when Belichick was supposed to retire and Mayo was going to take over, but they decided to accelerate that, I guess, because of how bad the season was. Um, I'm happy about it. I I think it's time, you know, Belichick gave the Patriots so much, obviously, for 24 years, uh, six Super Bowls. I mean, the decision he made like just some of the little things that Belichick did in different games that uh, kind of changed outcomes and stuff like that. Um, you could talk about like the the Seahawks Super Bowl when he didn't call the timeout um, with the Seahawks kind of, you know, deciding like, OK, we have like 40 seconds on the clock. And I think the Seahawks had like one or two timeouts and it was kind of. I think a lot of coaches would have called that timeout there if you're the Patriots because you're like, let's just let the Seahawks run it in. Let's have 40 seconds. Let's get Brady a chance to get down the field, put Gostowski in position for the field goal. Instead, Belichick was like, nah, I'm going to, you know, there's a lot of chaos in this last minute. Um, I'm going to not call the timeout. And, you know, maybe you can argue it flustered Pete Carroll in the sideline a little bit. And they call that pass play that. Also, Belichick had his defense prepared for that pretty much exact play, and Malcolm Butler, the rookie uh, corner, makes the play. So just that's just one example, but he's been so great for the Patriots for so many years. But at the end of the day, he's getting older. This was kind of the time, uh, and the Patriots are in a rebuild. You know, it's it's we're, we're starting over, have the third pick, trying to get a QB, uh, and they need much more than QB. They need a lot of help at a lot of positions um, in general, especially on the offense. So it was time. Um, he gave so much to the organization, but at the end of the day, I'm ready for like the new era, I guess you can say. I'm ready for a new coach, and we'll see what happens. Belichick's like the wicked witch of the West. It's like I'm so happy he's gone, but uh, I gotta respect the greatness, you know. I gotta mm-hmm. respect the greatness. Um, and they definitely—it just was time. It, it was time for him to go. Uh, I, I think everyone was happy about it. It seemed like he was ready too. So I, I think it was a good exit there. And now the question is, what will he do next? He is, I believe, I looked at this yesterday. So if I'm not, uh, if I'm mistaken, someone Ooh, can Belichick do next. Someone can yell at me in the comments, but he is 14 wins short of the all-time record. Don Shula, yeah. I think it's like 327. I think he has like 313. It's something like that. He's 14 short. So will he try to get another coaching job? I, it's a possibility. Yeah. I'd I don't be know. pretty surprised. I think, I think he, I think he's not going to. Oh he's, really? I, here's another thing: is will will another team football, man. will another team actually want like an NFL team want him to be a coach at his yeah. age? Well, they want like he's Pete, not going to be there well, for a long term. Pete Carroll. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. You know, I, I wouldn't want Pete Carroll. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the same thing. They're well, great coaches. Uh, some 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 team I think will. Can both of them handle a rebuild? Like that's the thing. They're, they're, well, it's that's gonna be why three, that's years. why they would ideally go to a team that's that's like in position now. I think the Chargers are one of those teams. The they, Chargers are close. Yeah. They they they're definitely close. They I think Justin a good Herbert. coach could be could be good for them. Um, but I I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see to see what happens with them. I don't think either one of them will get a head coaching job. But that's just my prediction. Um, let's start. Let's go over the games we saw yesterday. Uh, Ben, I'm gonna go to you first because the first game is so juicy. The Texans just absolutely destroyed the Browns, won by 31 points, 45 14. Um, I and I I I mean this in the nicest way possible. It 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 is, it's like uh getting a serotonin boost every time the Browns lose. It's such a, a high level of enjoyment and happiness uh, that's spread around the world. Uh, and, you know, no different yesterday. I was I was very happy about the result. Uh, love when the Browns lose. But I know you share some of the same sentiment, but what did you think about this game? 
Yeah, awesome, awesome game. Very, very fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, just really enjoyable. Good vibes throughout the entire I game. I had um, such a good vibe, especially at the end. I was just like so happy. And before any Browns fans that listen to this are like, "Oh, you're just you're just saying that because the Bengals did make the playoffs." Uh, yeah, that's one hundred percent right. I'm jealous. I'm absolutely jealous. I'm a, my team's a bunch of losers. I'm a loser, so of course I'm going to root for the Browns' downfall. The Steelers are going to lose tomorrow. It's going to be great. The Ravens will never lose again, but I'm, I hope they will. Um, of course I'm rooting against the Browns. It was awesome to watch Joe Flacco look like Joe look like a forty year old Joe Flacco because Browns fans for. I don't know. A month now, I've been telling me how awesome he is. Which, to be to be fair, he's been good. He's been he's been he's been good. I wouldn't say he's been amazing, but he's been good. Um, but I think the story is more of just the Texans. I mean, the Texans' offense was phenomenal. The Browns' defense is good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the Stroud Texans' is offense. Incredible. I mean, Stroud looks. I mean, I, I forget he's a rookie, and he he missed time this year. It's not like he's even played a full season. I mean, he missed at least a couple games. I think so. I think he missed um, like two or three games. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been phenomenal. And, and Brandon, you said this before the podcast, but like, it's not like their team is full of studs. I mean, no, they, they, had, not that they had two top five picks last, this past draft. It's not like um, they were on the cusp of this last year. I mean, they were in full re rebuild 365 days ago. So um, it's 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 been impressive. They they obviously their offense was incredible and, and their their defense. I mean, two pick sixes. Yeah. One of the at least the second one was definitely Joe Flacco's fault. Terrible decision. But. Um, it, it just a, a shocking outcome. I, I didn't think I thought the Browns would win, but I also thought this would be a close game and it, neither of those things happened. So um, it just shows, man, the NFL is, is a crazy sport because the Browns, I mean, and maybe part of it is again, and I've said this before and, and you can call me a loser for saying this, but the Browns did get lucky in multiple instances this year. There's probably multiple games. They probably shouldn't have won and they did and things went their way. And maybe the Browns weren't as good as people thought. Maybe they weren't really an 11 win team. And yes, part of it is they had a lot of injuries, but um, I, I, I think the story is more of just the Texans looking very, very good yesterday, as opposed to the Browns not looking uh, that great. I, I definitely do think the Browns overplayed their record. Uh, like for sure, like they probably weren't an eleven win team, and they definitely did get a little bit lucky. But I, I don't think we should short the injuries they had at all. They, especially towards the end of the year. Now, granted, for ten games, eleven games of the year, they were decently healthy, and then when they got unhealthy, they played. I mean, pretty terrible teams. But even at the end of the year, if you look at like, like they lost to the Bears, they had no business beating the Colts, for example, earlier in the year. Um, I think that. Yeah, well, the 49ers was a, a, a kind of a ridiculous game. Um, and, I mean, you could look deeper into it. Um, they had a lot of games that, especially at the end of the year, like the, the uh, let's see what else. Yeah, the Bears game, they almost lost that game. Uh, the Jaguars game, they almost lost that game. The Rams game, they got destroyed by the Rams. They lost to the Broncos. The Steelers game, they won by three points. Uh, they beat the Ravens by two points. So they had flashes this year. They they were really, really great. And they had, you know, a lot of good potential. And I think if they were healthy, obviously, that'd be very helpful. They had some lucky parts, some unlucky parts. I think that's football. Ultimately, they they couldn't pull it all together. And fortunately for us, Ben, the Browns got a rough two years coming up here. Uh, they pretty much have no cap room. Uh, and they, they really can't improve the team too much. Uh, so the team that they have now is kind of just what they have. Um, and Nick Chubb won't be there for half the year, uh, next year, most likely. Um, so they, they're in a big, big pickle, uh, and they, they really don't have a lot they can improve on. Um, the Texans were obviously great. CJ Stroud is incredible. This is not even that talented of a team. Um, and they really put a beat down on it. Trevor, any final thoughts on Texans Browns before we go over the, uh, the, the other game we got yesterday? Yeah, this, this one definitely surprised me. I, I thought the Browns... I thought so, too. I thought the Browns were going to win. Um, the defense did struggle more and more as the, the season went on. It seemed like, whereas, you know, we saw, I think, better quarterback play at the end of the season, so their offense got a little bit better, um, I would say. So, yeah, it's it's tricky. You know, the Browns are a team that you don't necessarily want them to play from behind, um, and they did have to play from behind for a lot of this Texans game. They were they were going with them early. You know, they had a couple really good drives, and then that obviously stalled out uh, mid-second quarter. And Stroud was just incredible. I mean, he was awesome. I think he's, without a doubt, a top-ten quarterback after what we've seen this season. He's only a rookie. It's just very impressive, some of the throws he makes, and also very impressed by the offensive coordinator. I think his name's... Uh, I forget he's part of the maybe the McVeigh coaching tree. I forget his name, but he's a guy who could be up for a potential head coaching job. Uh, the OC for the Texans did a really good job in this game, 
And obviously the two pick sixes that were just terrible, especially that second one by Flacco. But I mean, yeah, like like Flacco, you know, I, I can understand why uh, a lot of Browns fans, you know, think Flacco's good. And it's because they aren't really used to having a good quarterback pretty much ever. Um, so, yeah, Flacco's been fine, but that's not really what great quarterback play looks like. He was he was playing fine. I wouldn't say he was playing great by any means. But their defense was good enough to where if he's solid and it's kind of this high risk, high reward, I make a couple big plays, but then I have a couple turnovers. But the defense is so solid that it's kind of okay. Um, the Browns looked good throughout the season, but at the end of the day, the Texans just had an awesome game plan, and Stroud was incredible. He he really was. Um, and it's going to be interesting now because the Texans to see who they play next, if they play the Chiefs, if they play the Ravens. Um, we will see, but I'm excited uh, to see who they get matched up, to, especially if it's the Chiefs, because I think that would be a phenomenal game between the Chiefs and Texans if we get it. It will not 100%. be the Chiefs. We're not going to speak that into existence. I think there's a decent shot. I mean, no. I, I wouldn't project them to win, but it's possible. But let's talk about the Chiefs. Chiefs-Dolphins in Another just abysmal game of weather in a mess. It was negative four degrees, felt like negative like 30 by the end of the game. Um, what a weird game. Dolphins being in Miami, I don't know if they were prepared for this one. Uh, you know, so 26-7, they kind of beat down on them. This is another one I did not predict correctly. Not that I think the Dolphins, I have like a ton of belief in them, but the Chiefs have been playing so bad recently. I just thought that the Dolphins would be able to beat them. And the Dolphins have been playing pretty bad recently too. Um, and they ended the season in kind of an abysmal effort here. I mean, really, it was one play to Tariq Hill. That's all. That was their whole offense. Was this one play, uh, and then with you know he he made he made the touchdown happen after that. Um, it was underthrown too. It wasn't even a good ball. Like it, 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 they really had no offense. I mean, this is a team that put up seventy points this year, and the Chiefs made them look like uh, a peewee team. Um, so Chiefs won this game. I honestly don't even have too much to talk about because this game was such a weird one. Trevor, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on the Chiefs-Dolphins game? Yeah, I, I just think the Dolphins have been tr trending downward for the last like month now at least. And part of it's the injuries. Um, but also part of it is that you kind of see um, some of Tua's limitations, I think. I think like this offense was built pretty much as good as you can build an offense around him having Tyree kill. That's such a dynamic receiver. Mostert was uh, one of the top two or three running backs this year. Um, so they, they had this really good offense around him and, you know, Mike McDaniel, he was, they were doing a good job with like the, the offense, the play calling. It was really solid, this system, uh, but their defense had issues, especially when you, you know, compound those injuries. They were already not a great defense, and then you have to add the injuries to it, it makes them even worse. It was a rough defensive um, injury list for them this year. Yeah, I mean, Tua just he he made some bad throws. He has some limitations under through the ball to Tyreek Hill. He's throwing a ball at running backs' feet on screen passes. He he played badly. Um, and the Chiefs, you know, they did what they had to. Their defense was obviously really solid. I think the weather certainly helped them out. Um, they're more used to this than uh, a team playing in Miami, Florida is. That's for sure. Um, so that helped them. But Mahomes was, I thought, you know, Mahomes' stat line doesn't look good. But part of it is, again, his receivers are dropping balls. Kelsey dropped a wide open pass. Multiple uh, times. The, yeah, he Multiple. dropped a wide open pass. These other guys are dropping wide open pass. It was a I cold thought, day. I thought Mahomes had a good game, actually. His stats might not say that, but he looked solid to me. He was doing pretty much... He's making the right decision, as he typically does. And Pacheco, I, I just love Pacheco. He was awesome in this game. One touchdown, 89 yards. So, yeah, Chiefs win it. Dolphins just, again, did not look very good at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, final thoughts here, Ben, on the Chiefs-Dolphins game before we look at the upcoming games. Yeah, just not a not a great game. I mean, it was it was kind of. I mean, Dolphins did not look great at all. They they played some ugly football. But I mean, the Dolphins just really couldn't get anything going from the start. They their their one touchdown was one one free play and um, just a total Chiefs domination. And I mean, you could say that the weather played a part in that, but I think the Chiefs are just a better team in general. The Dolphins have been struggling as of late. Um, they kind of stumbled into the playoffs anyway. So uh, I don't think it's it's um, a, a huge surprise here. Um, and, and, and Tua never plays well in the cold. So um, I think it was a, a, a result that, that people saw coming. Um, we'll see if this is the Chiefs team that's going to show up next week or if, if their inconsistency on, on offense um, will, will continue. So 
Uh, I think it's TBD on the Chiefs right now because one playoff game against the Dolphins in negative 30-degree weather I don't think gives me a whole lot of confidence that they could win the Super Bowl. But again, it's the Chiefs, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they uh, they somehow find a way to to put all their problems aside uh, for these playoffs. But typically, the problems that you have in the regular season still present themselves when you get to the playoffs. So I do think it's still a long ways to go if you're the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, for sure. I, I do agree with that analysis. Let's move along here and look at the next four games we have. Uh, we'll go through these kind of quickly. Let's just see who we all think is going to win. Quick little sentence about it. Um, I'll, I'll go first here. We have Packers-Cowboys. Cowboys got this game. The Packers are not a bad team. I like Jordan Love, but I just think the Cowboys are a better team ultimately. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I agree. I, I think Cowboys are the better team. Green Bay's defense isn't that great. I think Dak Prescott will have a really solid game. CeeDee Lamb probably will have some big numbers, and I expect the Cowboys to to carry to win the day on this one. Yep. Ben? Yeah, Cowboys are winning. They're a good team. They're 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 a uh, I don't want I don't want to say they're an amazing team, but they're a very good team. Dak Prescott's been phenomenal this year. Yep. And they play really well against teams that are worse than them and not teams that, is that true. are better than them. So <laughs> that is they're true. gonna win this game. Yes. Uh, which you might think, oh, that makes sense. They just cannot beat a single team that's better than them. So uh, they they will win this one. Uh, tonight, we got Rams-Lions. I'm most excited for this game. Trevor, what do you think? Yeah, this is the game I was looking forward to most um, on the slate. It's a little late. Don't like that it's so late, but it is what it is. I think the Rams are going to win. I do. I really, really do. This is a very highly anticipated game. You have Stafford uh, with McVay now going against his old team. The Lions, Jared Goff going against his old team. McVay, and I heard this point made on one of the podcasts I was listening to, McVay, he's, he knows everything about Jared Goff. He, he knows where he struggles, what, what his strengths are, his tendencies. You know, when he was in, when he was playing for the Rams, it's like, okay, you know, you always got to think about, cause it's not like, I mean, Goff was, he was, he was all right. And with the Rams for sure, he was all right, but he's become a better quarterback with Detroit. But he knew some of the limitations that Goff had, and yes, he's maybe overcome some of them. But I like the matchup that with McVay, with this Rams team, the defense that they have, uh, Raheem Morris, the D coordinator, I like this matchup for the Rams, and I do think they're going to win. Um, I am also a big Rams believer. The Rams, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams are the only team, I think, this year that really had a chance to beat the Ravens without beating themselves. I really think that they they went overtime in Baltimore. The Rams' offense is incredible. Um, I I think if their defense can even hold a little bit strong, I definitely think they could take this game. After this, it's going to be a little more of a question. They have the ability to beat uh, kind of anyone. Uh, so I I have a lot of faith in the Rams. I think they are an incredible team, especially their offense. Uh, and I got the Rams. I think they win this pretty handedly, pretty handedly. Um, what do you what do you think, Ben? So I'll take the Lions, um, but I, I do. I was going to say, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I think it's going to be, it could be a, a back and forth game. I do think it, you know, if we're in the fourth quarter in this game, this is anyone's game. Um, but I can't do that to the people of Detroit. I can't pick the, I mean, this is such a big deal for the people of Detroit. Five, $600 playoff tickets. I'd feel terrible if they lost this game. It would be slightly funny, um, but I'd feel bad. I'd feel bad. I can't do that. It's going to be an awesome environment. I'm excited to watch this game just for those people in Detroit, those Lions fans that deserve this. Um, so I will pick the Lions, but I'm not discrediting the Rams. I do think they're a good team. I think it'll be a very close game. 100%. Let's go to uh, to Monday, uh, the first game which got moved uh, from the 14th, uh, which is today, I think, right? Yeah, today to tomorrow um, as we are recording this. Uh, we have Steelers, Bills. Uh, this is another pretty easy one to me. I think the Bills take this game pretty easily. Uh, the Steelers are not a good team. I hope they win. I want the Ravens to play the Steelers. So I think that's the uh, the worst team left uh, for them to play. Um, so I, I hope it's the Steelers, um, but I, I can't do that. It's, it's going to be the Bills. Ben, what do you think? I mean, come on, Brandon. I, I can't pick the Steelers. I never, never yeah, I'm also will pick not going to pick the Steelers. <laughs> I will never pick the Steelers I, I do unless hope it's they against win, I do a te- another team that I can't stand. So, no, of course I'm going to pick the Bills. And I think, again, I, I want to see Chiefs-Bills in the second round. I'd much rather see. And honestly, I think that makes Texans-Ravens a good matchup too. So I think th- these playoffs are better if the Bills win. The Steelers... They, they got into the playoffs, but they're not a playoff team. If the fact that if I have to watch them play two playoff games this year, that is just brutal for a fan of football in general. So I got I got to say the Bills are going to take this one in uh, in a freezing Buffalo. 
Unfortunately, the Steelers quite literally are a playoff team, Ben. Sorry, sorry to break it to you. I'm aware, um, but but watching them play, it's like ah, this is not a, a team that I want to watch in the playoffs. They're just not fun. To no, watch I'm at all. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I've been saying uh, the same thing for weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick the Bills. Um, the only way the Bills lose this game if is if they lose it themselves, which is possible. Um, it's definitely possible. The line of this game is ten, which. I mean, they should win by double digits, but I don't know. Part of me feels like that's too high. I I, I think it's going to be low scoring game, um, relatively close. But the Bills, how do they lose this game, man? Are they really going to make enough mistakes to lose to the Steelers and Mason Rudolph? Are they really going to do that? I just I don't know. It's possible, but ultimately, I think the Bills will win. Uh, Eagles Bucks. This is another tough one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the best answer would be here. Part of me wants to take the Bucks. The Eagles are struggling so much. But at the same time, how do you not take the Eagles? So I'm going to go with the Eagles, but I don't I don't even like the pick. I don't know. This is not a gross game to pick. Yeah. So I'll go with the Eagles, but I, I don't really like it that much. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, this is the grossest game of them all, probably. Um, you can argue. I mean, Bill's Steelers isn't necessarily the greatest either, but this one just feels pretty gross. Uh, the Buccaneers scored nine points last week against the Panthers. Um, in a game that they needed to win, they scored nine points against them. Uh, and the Eagles, I mean, they, they got, I know they were resting guys, some guys and stuff, but they got killed by the giants last week and lost to the Cardinals before that. So neither of these teams are playing that well. Um, I guess just, I guess just, I got to pick the Eagles. It's a basis of, you know, past Pat, not even current past trust past faith in them which is more than i have to say about the tampa bay buccaneers so i'll go with the eagles um but uh man i i don't feel great but they're they're the better team on paper they have more talent um and at least their offense I, you know jalen hurts i still think that their offense can can do enough here even if Matt Patricia um, is going to try to ruin it with that sorry Eagles defense as of late. Uh, I have the Eagles. It's a ben? it's a disgusting game. Disgusting game. And regardless of which team I pick, I'm not going to like the pick. But I'll pick the Bucs um, just because I think it'd be funny. The Eagles are – talk about stumbling into the playoffs. The Eagles are a disaster right now. Um, and I, I like Baker Mayfield. Ever since he left the Browns, I like him. He, it's fun to root against him, chip on his shoulder. He's played well this year. Um, I, I'd be totally okay love- with watching Baker Mayfield – Win a playoff game for the Buccaneers as the Browns have all have lost this round. So I'll I'll pick the Buccaneers. Um, I I love that the Browns hatred runs this deep. It runs so deep to me that I will not be rooting for the Bucks. <laughs> I can't root for Baker Mayfield, as <laughs> Wait, I always say. No, well, you should Browns, because it, it's Browns like a, fans are going to be hilarious. Rooting for the Bucks exactly. Oh, I, I want okay. the Browns fans to just I want them to their tears are like little happiness candies. <laughs> I, I just I, I want as many of them as I can possibly. You're get. a sicko. You're Disrespectful. a sicko. It's it's true. It's <laughs> true. I'm way. sorry. I'm sorry to say it. It's true. I don't want to be like Such this, mean, but it's just mean, how it vile is. Person. It's this is how it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. So it mean. is how it is. You take over the franchise wow. and, and and you have to just keep rubbing it in every single. Yeah. That is kind of yeah. Rude. That is kind of rude. You take over the franchise. No, you, it's you, it's you kick the. Just no, no. This is so, this is this is how so, the, the so look, mean the world turns and, and oh, these this Ravens is, this... fans are so evil, man. No, so no, mean. no. Coming from a Patriots fan, I didn't. I, the Patriots did not take a franchise from anyone. I don't know. I don't know mm. what you're trying to say. I don't think the Ravens did either. But look, it's neither here nor there. I think we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Definitely some exciting wild card games to get to. Um, uh, we'll be watching them. Very excited to watch them today, tomorrow. Um, but with that being said, we'll wrap up the podcast there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Of course, subscribe to the podcast and leave fives a review if you enjoyed. Follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller so you can stay updated with everything that goes live from us. And go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.